Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. This is Christy Dole. You are listening to When Hustle Meets Flow. This is such an exciting episode I just recorded. It was such an incredible conversation. Um, It is with a woman that lives local to me that I have met online through different networking groups, um, have met in person through different networking events. And when I met her, I just knew that there was work for her and I to do. I knew that I just could feel it. You know, when you can just feel like you're vibing with someone, I really felt that from her. And so I'm really, really excited for you all to have this conversation. Just to give you a heads up, we are going to be talking about some very, very deep um, layered um, pieces of uh, <laughs> of embodiment of the feminine of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, Mother Mary, um, talking a lot about sacred sexuality. Um, this is definitely a conversation that for me was so invigorating and just literally like enlivened my, the cells in my body. It just, it brought me to tears. Um, but for some of you, this might be the first time you're ever really hearing about any of these concepts. And so my, my invitation for you is to really listen to this podcast with a totally open mind, totally open heart, um, take what resonates, leave what doesn't and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Christy Dole. You're listening to When Hustle Meets Flow. And today I have a very special guest with us. This is a woman that I'm really just getting to know. Um, But I haven't said this to you, but I really feel like I'm meant to, we're we're meant to be in each other's worlds. Um, And luckily enough, she lives very close to me. But this is Nikki Ananda, an integrative embodiment coach and spiritual mentor. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it is actually so cool how close we live to each other. (laughs) So I have seen Nikki um, mostly on Facebook through different um, networking groups that we're a part of, and your every single post that you make is is a transmission. Like I really feel it, and I've been so curious about your work, and I know my audience is also going to be curious about this type of work. Um, so tell me a little bit about what is an integrative embodiment coach and spiritual mentor and like, how did you get to this place? Yeah, totally. Okay. Such a big question. Cause it's like life's work, human yeah. words. Okay. <laughs> We're going to do our best. Yeah. Yeah, we do our best. Um, so my work is definitely multidimensional and it's multidimensional in the avenues of like the different services that I offer. So of course I offer coaching and being so airy, the realms of the mind are kind of like my mastery path. And that's like the very masculine side of me as well. Like the logical, the linear, the analytical, the intellectual, the conceptual, like all of that refinement and that masculine goes straight into my coaching work. Mm. But the magic of the coaching work is in the feminine energy and it's in the movement and it's in the practice and it's in the embodiment. So we can have all of these codes, all of these teachings, all of the information, but if we don't know how to get it down from the mind into the heart, into the womb and actually down to our feet and walk it, then it's not necessarily serving us. Mm. So integrative embodiment coaching is the integration of the embodiment of the coaching that I do. So there's Mm -hmm. definitely a lot of different levels to that. And aside from just like online sessions with people, a big core 
of my work is working with women, working with the feminine energy centers, working with the throat, the heart, the womb, and the yoni to open up these portals that are our, our sacred creation portals. They are the centers that allow us to be that divine channel, the channel of love, the divine channel of light, all of these essences that I firmly believe we're here to create heaven on earth. Mm. Um, so like a lot of the language I use is kind of Christian and a lot of sense. And I do see myself as, um, in the lineage of Mary Magdalene. So, so there's a lot of nuance here. So I just kind of want to preface that to you and your audience that when I use words like say Yeshua or Jesus or Mary Magdalene, Holy father, God, whatever it is, it's not the typical way that people have been indoctrinated into perceiving these words. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that, that, that is actually something that I am working through right now mm-hmm. um, is, I mean, I'll just quickly share. I, ha- I did a meditation the other day on the 1111 portal, actually, that was the most intense meditation I've ever done myself. Like I, nobody led me through it. I did it myself yeah. and like long story short, Jesus and mother Mary were like there and part of my counsel. And as soon as my higher self told me like, this is who's in front of you. And as soon as it was Jesus and mother Mary, my initial response was like, ew, I don't like, right. cause I'm not, I wasn't raised Christian, but right. unfortunately I feel like Christianity has been hijacked by not what it's supposed to be. So the moment that that was said to me in my head, I thought, or maybe it was like a divine download, but I thought, okay, I'm meant to work with them to heal this because there's so much wisdom and goodness and grace and love to learn from them. So I do appreciate you saying that because I think a lot of people listening to my podcast kind of vibe with the way I feel. And so this is a very mm-hmm. safe conversation about Jesus and mother Mary and Mac mother and Magdalene. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. You. Yeah. Like for sure. And like you, it was the same thing when like, I started seeing like the themes of these like archetypes or um, avatars or, you know, to me, Jesus, Mother Mary, Mary Magdalene, that's the mythos of our time. Like these are the energies that there's a story that's not complete yet. Mm. And I see that these are the energies we're still working. Cause like you said, it's like, um, there's a lot of distortion. There's a lot of hijacking. There's a lot of inversion to all of these teachings. And it's been used to manipulate, control, dominate, and cause a lot of destruction and harm to all the whole planet there's not a person on this planet that hasn't been impacted by the church not a person and the church was the distortion of the true teachings of jesus so what's really interesting because obviously this is a language that i speak and most of my clients are like well like what's going on here um but the relationship because it took me a while to settle in and understand what was happening because the relationship is light like, I don't see Mother Mary, Mary Magdalene, or Jesus as anything above me or beyond me. I see them as like brother, sister, mentor, guys, like a few steps ahead of me on the path that it's like, okay, these are the codes that they're aligned with. Mother Mary, like, allows me to reflect back compassion. Like, mm-hmm. I get that compassion from her. And for Jesus, it's it's the light. Like, he brings in that light and he would always speak and it's been distorted, but you know, how we're all brothers and sisters. Like he was just trying to show he was equal to all of us, but then humans are like, no, you're so much better. And then the church is like, he's so beyond, you can never reach it. Like all of these ways to keep people out of their power. But the most important distortion 
was with Mary Magdalene, where the church, one, labeled her a prostitute, and then later, I think it was in the 80s, very recently said, well, we know she wasn't a prostitute, but still keep it in the Bible. <laughs> still keep it in the Bible while denying that it's, a, or saying it's a lie. I read that in uh, Mary Magdalene Revealed. I think it was in yep. the 1960s, the Catholic Church admitted this was a fallacy. This was untrue. Right, right, right. So what Mary Magdalene represented was the embodiment piece. And I deeply, deeply believe I feel in my whole body and within like the lineage in which I study and I've been initiated through that Jesus and Mary were partners. Like they, mm -hmm. they were equal partners and Jesus brought in this light, Mary brought in this love. And that's the principles of the masculine and feminine and like their purest form. Of course, we remember them like the same way if anyone we love passes, like we remember the best of them. Like we don't really emphasize the humanity as much because that's not there in spirit. So it's the same thing. We have these powerful spiritual guides that were, were not incarnate. It doesn't matter to me because the mythos of them is so alive. It doesn't matter if they were real or if it's stories, it still impacts us the same. And there's so much to learn there. But my relationship, when I started to come into this personal relationship with them, it was nothing. I was raised Catholic. So like, I mean, Catholic has some weight, <laughs> like, Catholicism <laughs> has some weight to it. Yep. So when I found this relationship with, with these like archetypes, being spirits, whatever you want to call it, however you want to perceive it, it was so light. It was so easy. It was so simple. And I was like, well, does this make me a Christian? Like what's happening here? Because I don't identify as a Christian, but I identify with all of the teachings. Mm -hmm. So we have the logos, like the Christos logos, which is that Jesus sacred, masculine, divine, masculine principle, which is the word of God. But the feminine is the Sophia. And we have Sophia referenced in the Bible once, just once everything yeah. else was taken out. The yeah. Holy Spirit is Sophia, but we turn the Holy Spirit into a ma man. So it's Holy Father, Holy Spirit, Son, right? Father, Son, Holy yeah. Spirit, which is all men when it was, you know, the Holy Trinity, which is mother, father, child. Yeah. And that's the principle. It's like, we have the concept of polarity and duality and we understand life through these, but it's actually the Holy Trinity. Like we need the father, the mother and the child, what it is that we're creating. That third piece mm -hmm. is so, so, so important because we are that we're all of it. Right. Can I just tell you, like, as we are having this conversation, my, I'm just, my heart is beating faster. Mm. I'm just feeling so like, I want to cry. <laughs> this, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this is like part of just knowing and awakening yeah I mean it's remembering right like I I tell everyone I'm like I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know yeah. it's just like we're peeling back these layers we're coming back into that into that time of remembering and so much of that remembering is bringing Mary Magdalene back up to her proper seat. This is why we have like the feminine rising, all of these movements. And now the feminine movement has been hijacked as well, but we don't have to go we can down talk that about that. Because I, 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 I can talk about that. But, sure say, I but, but that. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot. There's a lot because we're not meant to dominate one or the other. It's about exalting the feminine to be at equal balance with the masculine. One is not superior to the other. They're both equal power, but different. There's different gifts that come from both sides. But the church very intentionally took Mary Magdalene, the gospel of Mary, way far, far away from the people because it was how to embody the teachings that Christ was speaking. Mary mm -hmm. Magdalene taught the embodiment. So when you only have the logos without the Sophia, 
because the Sophia, the wisdom comes from us living our journeys. The Holy Spirit awakens with us as we live. So if the church is saying, this is something you're never going to attain to in this lifetime, work so hard, confess all your sins because the afterlife, da, 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 which is very different from like the Egyptian perception of the afterlife, which is eternal consciousness. But the mm -hmm. church used this concept to keep people imprisoned, imprisoned to life, imprisoned to them, keeping them in power and dissociated from their bodies. So Mary Magdalene brings in that embodiment piece and we need both. We need the logos, the Sophia, we need the masculine, the feminine, the light and the love, all of it. So beautiful. Okay. I wrote down a few questions. Um, yeah. I'm like, where do I go? Uh, <laughs> could you give an example of, I mean, if you can, I don't know. I mean, this is, I know this is what you teach, but I just, I want to give my, my audience and me like something tangible. Like, could you give an example of how, like how to do that embodiment that Mary Magdalene taught or just anything? And is it dancing? Is it like, when I hear embodiment, I hear actually like using the body to get into it and like the church and I, I was raised Jewish right so we look at the Torah which was mm -hmm. part of the Bible mm -hmm. and and it's really just pray let's just sit there and pray there's I, right. I might be missing a couple of things but there's no like sing dance drum chant like you know and so I'm wondering if that's the piece that is missing or if you could just shed a tiny little light on that yeah. Yeah, totally. So like all the Abrahamic religions are in the masculine structure, like Muslim, Judaism, Christianity are all fixated on the mind, on the teachings, on the knowledge, on like just the thought they lack the embodiment piece. Even Buddhism is very philosophical and it's about be here now, but like in this more esoteric, not so embodied sense. Mm -hmm. So we have all of these like masculine philosophies and religion. But then we come to like, say, Indian culture or even Mayan culture is much more embodied. And mm -hmm. I know embodiment is like a trendy word and a word that can be like a little confusing because it's not like we can technically conceptualize embodiment because that contradicts the whole element of what embodiment is. But the way the way I look at it is one, it's done through practice, of course. So like movement dancing is always going to do that. But it's also done through um like sound and breath, like all of these components that bring us into the matter, into the cells, into the atoms. So we're made up of, of course, um, we all, we all pretty much understand this now or can kind of imagine that we're made up of so much space, mm -hmm. like the matter that's within an atom is like only less than 1% of the whole field that is the atom, which is more than like 99.9999999 whatever percent space, like lots of space. So when we can conceptualize that our body is mostly space, it's how do we take all of this information that's staying up in the mental realm and bring it and start infusing the light, the love, the energy through our cells, through our atoms, through every part of our body. And there's infinite ways to do that, mm. infinite ways to do that. Um, what I love about yoga and like yoga is like a big part of my root system. It's a big part of like how I got here, got to the embodiment work. It was like the framework. I definitely believe that yoga is in my DNA. It's something that like awakened within me, not something that I like chased after, if that makes sense. It was like an inside out kind of job. Totally. Um, so yoga has, and this is like a very westernized breakdown of the kosha system. So a lot of people would argue this, but this is what resonates for true for me. So this is how I like practice and also teach people. 
Um, There's five layers to the body. There's the spiritual body, Ananda, the Ananda, the bliss body. The next body is the mental body, then the emotional body, the energetic body, and then the physical body. Mm -hmm. So these five layers of self make up our beingness, our consciousness, but matter is always going to be the slowest density. Like matter is the frequency, the waves that move the slowest out of all of them. And they ascend and descend in that order. So when we're doing embodiment work, we're calling in all of the energies from the other dimensions of self to be present in the slowest density. We're bringing the most consciousness forward into our 3D, 5D experience, however you want to perceive it. Wow. I'm in love with this conversation. I really am. You are so my jam. Um, Okay. Can you talk a little bit about when you mentioned the lineage of Mary Magdalene? Um, Yeah. yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because when I like, I'm very, um, I think we talked about this, all the air I have, like, I'm very mental, Mm -hmm. very in my head. Mm -hmm. I hear lineage. I think like, is it like your actual, like, she had a baby, she had a baby, she had, and then it comes all the way down to you. Is it like that? Or is it more the lineage that you align with the most in terms of teaching? Like I've just heard that lineage Mm -hmm. and I just want to explore that a little bit more. Sure. So, so lineage is always going to be like, we have our blood lineage. Of course we have our family. lineage. So I'm adopted. So I have my biological lineage. I have my adopted family lineage. Like, so there's all of these different lines, but it's a line, right? So it's like the, the pass down. So whether we're passing down blood or family karma, like whatever it is, but also teachings. So like yoga, when we study with like yogis and we're in that, that path, there's a lineage of teachers and same with like Reiki. So a lot of people are in like the Usui Reiki lineage. So the lineage is just the path down of the teachings. Um, what's really interesting about talking about the lineage as far as like the Mary Magdalene lineage, which is the Isis and the Hathor lineage, is that a lot of lineage is perceived as hierarchical. Um, and that's very masculine old paradigm. Like there can be a lot of hierarchy and lineage. And we can see that like in the church, like there's just like this kind of order to how things are passed down. Um, But with the feminine, there's no hierarchy. Like it is very, very equal. And we're all feminine, whether we're man, woman, whatever gender we identify with, we all have feminine and masculine within us. So when we start aligning with the feminine teachings, we see that no one is superior to us. We're all awakening. We're all like different pieces of the web, the interconnected web, all at different points, all equal power, all different, different places, all different codes. Like we all have unique coding. We all have a unique expression Mm -hmm. of this thing that is getting passed down and it's the mystery. So the feminine is the mystery. The masculine is like the light, the clarity, the consciousness, and the feminine is the unconsciousness, the mystery, the embodiment. So inherent in that, <laughs> this is, so this is going to get a little, uh, transcendental psychedelic in explaining that. I love it. Great. Yes. So <laughs> history is very linear. It's also very distorted because we're having people with their perception of what happened, tell a story. And we're like being indoctrinated into thinking that's true. Now with her story, it's all been oral tradition, like all of the feminine, because men have dominated history, like that's kind of why it's history. So with what we have from the feminine origin is her story, which is oral tradition. So it's still storytelling, but the stories transform over time because it's like the game telephone in a lot of ways, but it's no less accurate than history. 
So there's mystery inherent with both, but with the feminine, it's much less tangible. It's still like, it's the void. It's like in the darkness where the masculine is the light. Like there's, it's just poles, different polarity. Mm -hmm. So it makes so much sense to me that Mary Magdalene, who was like the embodiment, the personification of this like divine sacred feminine, her life remains a mystery. Like mm -hmm. some people will say she was incredibly wealthy and that her fam family funded um, Jesus's travels. Some people will say she was very poor and Jesus supported her. Like there's a lot of different stories and we don't have the facts. We have a lot of evidence that leads to some, some good ideas stronger mm -hmm. ideas, but there's so much confliction. There's so much mystery that I believe that's, that's it. Like the key is in accepting the mystery and having the personal heart experience of how it applies to us. It's mm -hmm. not about indoctrination. It's not about taking on other people's beliefs. It's about what do we do with it? How do we feel about it? It forces you not to know than right. to trust. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. Cause as you were saying, that's the mystery. I'm like, that's bullshit. We should know. But then, <laughs> but then you're like, that's the point is that's the mystery. And I actually just want to illuminate that this whole dark feminine is I've been, I've, I've, it's been in my field for years now. And I think I'm really starting to understand it. I forget where I read this, but someone said that the feminine and, and the dark feminine you know, first time I ever heard dark feminine, I was like, oh, like that sounds evil. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want anything mm -hmm. to do right, that. Right. But, truthfully. Um, and then I've been learning, learning. And somebody said, you know, when you plant, uh, a, when you plant something, a vegetable or something, you put the seed in the ground and inside the ground, it is dark. It's it, everything starts in the darkness, babies in the womb, it's dark. Like, and I was like, oh, like something about that just really has started to click with me and it makes it so that I'm not so um, scared when things are unknown or quote unquote dark, like dark nights of the soul voids, like just breakdowns. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that was really beautiful. Um, okay. And so going back to you and you're just such a wealth of knowledge, why would someone work with you? Like what, what is going on in their life that they would be like, okay, this is the type of support that I want. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. Um, so a lot of the women that I work with, there's kind of like, and I work with men too, but over the past like year and a half, it really has been just women. There's been a couple of men. It used to be very 50, 50, but something I think, and just the way that I have evolved, it's like the focus is more on magnetizing the right women in my path. There's like a, you a precision that's safe. developing yeah, yeah I was just gonna say like you feel very safe mm. and I think mm. I, I'm, I'm a woman so I'll speak for myself I know like I crave that especially right. digging into all the things that you dig into so maybe that's why I don't know but go ahead yeah yeah. I mean, cause it is like, I mean, the, the key to my work is all based around sacred sexuality and like through her story, through Magdalene's lineage, like it said, it's believed and it feels true to me that she was initiated also um, like mother Mary, the Virgin Mary and their grandmother, mother Mary's mother, Anna. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, through like the Cathars, the Essenes who held these 
those mystery school teachings, like the sacred knowledge, these initiations that brought them into higher, higher levels of consciousness. And these initiations came from the temples of Egypt. They came from the temples of Hathor, the temples of Isis. So I do believe there is a direct line connecting mm -hmm. all of these teachings with the sacred sexuality. So the sacred sexuality work at, at first we hear it and we think like, I don't know, like hour long orgasms and all of these like distorted Tantra things, which it's so like so far from the Western world has conceptualized even Tantra itself is just about embodiment, but we just focus on the sex aspect of it because it's just our culture. It's just distorted. And we're a little bit lost on the, on what these principles were, but mm -hmm. sacred sexuality is it goes beyond it goes beyond sex. It goes beyond self-pleasure and it's everything to do with because it is about awakening the multidimensionality of our sexual energy. It's about essentially making love to life. It's about how do we co-create uh, father, mother, child, holy father, holy mother, holy child to create, like I said, heaven on earth at the beginning of this, to create our dreams, to uplift the planet. How are we in that divine union? How are we making love with the energies that are around us? So the principles that I work with are the teachings that I work with. I do somatic sex education and I do hands-on sexological body work. So I'm working with the body. I'm working with the yoni. I'm working with the womb. I'm working with women's breasts, like hands-on de-armoring, helping the trauma release, the blocks release from their body. So it's so intimate. It's so, so intimate. And I can only take people as far as I've gone. And I've, I've been so devoted to this work and this work gave me my life back. And it got to this point where it was like, very clear to me that my my purpose was to come in and to be facilitating this. It didn't seem that way when I was doing the work and receiving the work because I was just doing my own healing. And then all of a sudden it's like, this is a rare gift that you're meant to share. Like these are the codes that have unlocked in your body. And again, I believe that these are the, the teachings and the priestess temple arts that have been around since ancient Egypt. I do believe that thread has been kept alive through these teachings. I digress a little bit from your question. Um, what, like why, who, 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 <laughs> yeah. who, yeah. So, so a lot of the women that come to me um, have a similar background as I do, which is like a lot of mental energy, a lot of airy and trying to ground it, bring it in, awaken, find that just connection to earth, that safety with earth, like the trust, the trust, the space. Um, I also have a lot of women. So I say these are the masculine, masculine women that are coming into their feminine embodiment. But mm -hmm. there's also a lot of women that are very much in the flowy feminine and just being that need that structure that mm -hmm. need to understand, like, how do I point the arrow to be efficient in creating whatever it is that I'm trying to create? But so many of the women, um, because I'm so, I have been very present and honest about like my own traumas and my own journeys, people relate to that. So I do have a lot of women that come to me no matter where they are on like, you know, living their dream life, but still have like this thing, like this, this embodiment piece, this block, this fear, this shame, the sexual trauma, whatever it is, and coming to me for that intimate work to be held, to be seen, to unpack, unpack all of that. Okay. Yeah. So I'm hearing a few different types of people are coming to you. So the, the sexual trauma piece, but then more people that like me that are just very in their head and we want to be in, in that embodied place. Yeah. And then also yeah. people that are like very feminine that are looking for kind of that masculine. So it sounds to me like you almost heal the feminine, the masculine within the people. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So amazing. And would you mind sharing a little bit about like your journey and how you got to this 
part. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Lifelong journey. How to how to arrive here. Um, condensed. So my first awakening, so my initial, my initial trauma was like at my conception point, we'll say that. Um, and I use the word trauma be, and I'm not saying trauma as like a state of victim consciousness, because that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. What trauma is, is, is where my consciousness became unconscious. It's where the energy became stuck. It's where the, the story started to repeat. So mm-hmm. it's not that I feel I was a victim to anything. I actually believe very much. So my soul chose all the experiences that I had. I don't, um, and that can be a very edgy thing to speak, but I'm speaking about myself and I believe fully everything that I went through in my life, which has included some, some pretty terrifying and horrific experiences. I can feel in my soul how I was a match and how I created them um, to evolve, to evolve. So I came in like at my conception point, it was like kind of a non-consensual situation. And then I was adopted right at birth. My biological mother never even held me. So I came out of the womb and was basically like put on a plane. And then 17 days later, uh, my parents got to take me home. My parents that raised me. So there's a lot there, obviously abandonment, mother wound, all the things, (laughs) all the things from birth. So I came in energetically a match. I was born energetically a match for abandonment. Like it was just in my body. Like while I was developing in my mother's womb, she knew that she wasn't going to keep me. So there was like a lot of pain in her carrying this baby and so much love, like the duality of all of it. Cause she loved me so much that this was the decision she was making. I found her miraculously two years ago. That's a whole nother story, but it was pure miracle. It was an accident. It was a whole, it's a whole, whole different journey. (laughs) Over hoppe. We'll talk about it. Over hoppe. We will talk about this. It's a whole different. Yeah. You've been talking about the mother wound lately. I'm like, I got some, I got some codes for you. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to have that conversation. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, um, in elementary school, I was attracting a lot of bullying. It got very severe in middle school. I lost my virginity very, very young from a place of sexual empowerment, sexual curiosity. Like it wasn't ever, I never felt like I was doing anything wrong. I felt like I was claiming my power. I just, I was mature really fast given my situations. And it was just part of my maturing fast was being sexually, sexually moving sexually fast, I guess. Um, But that brought on more severe bullying to the point that I changed schools. Like it was a whole, whole thing. Um, So the sister wound, right? But I was a match for these experiences. Like I expected them because I already had that story in the past. So subconsciously, they just kept coming in. Mm. Um, I had a very intense experience when I was 15. I had a sexual assault situation. But what was worse was the authorities didn't believe me. It was like a whole uh, being silenced while being assaulted thing. Um, And I thought... I thought for a long time that um, that had been healed because I had been in a place of deep acceptance for it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, it's over. Like, I forgive them. Like, obviously they're like, they have their own traumas, like wounded people, wound people, hurt people, hurt people. Like there's something obviously very wrong with these men. Um, there was multiple, it was like a whole, it's a thing. Um, but I could like, I just had the compassion and like the sense that like, obviously these aren't like well people. Yeah. So I was able to intellectualize my way through that healing. Um, And then I started having my first awakenings. Um, I was always chronically depressed and chronically anxious. Like my energy was just, I had a lot of energy. 
and it would come out as depression. I would be so anxious that I would plummet myself into depression for like, you know, I would, I'd stay in bed for a week, literally, literally. So then my awakening started to come in like 17 to 21 and they came in that divine masculine, just light codes, like just information about the universe, how the universe works, all of these things. My eyes were wide open. I understood law of attraction, synchronicity, how I was a vibrational match, how I was responsible for my life. I started to get it mentally, mm -hmm. but I had no way to embody it. So in, in December of 2012, which was like a big time for the planet, uh, yep. um, I, I ended that. up, I ended up in a mental hospital because my, my psyche blew out. Like my nervous system blew out from all of the activations that were coming in. So that was a big, like wake up moment. Now there's a lot that led up to that. There was like, there was a three-year process that led up to that. Um, I had massive, massive trauma that I, I, there's not even enough space to touch upon this, but <clears throat> essentially my dog ran behind my car. And like, at that point I had known I was the creator of my reality. So there was like this whole story of like, I'm evil. I just took my dog's life, even though it wasn't conscious subconsciously, I created this, like what's wrong with me. And it threw me into an existential crisis for three years. Mm -hmm. Um, because that was my baby. That was my baby, baby. Um, so that that came to a head three years later in December of 2012, where my nervous system just couldn't handle what was coming through. So at that point, um, I dove into my yoga teacher training 2012, 2013, and I started focusing on embodiment. It was like I pushed myself so deep into this corner that there was nowhere else for me to go except for down into my body. <laughs> like there, I'd already adventured the universe. I'd gone everywhere. So the only place that like I really had had to go was to drop in, drop into my heart, drop into my womb. So through the years, um, being devoted to my embodiment, my healing path, working with a ton of different people, a ton of different modalities, what really woke me up was finding one of my mentors, Christiana. And I met her a few weeks before. No, I'm sorry. I met her like days before I was going on an, um, an ayahuasca retreat. Mm -hmm. And this was in 2016. I had just completed a year of celibacy and that was intuitive. It's like, I need to clear my body of all the energies that I've taken on over the years. I had a history of being kind of promiscuous. I wouldn't use the word promiscuous, but I had a lot of partners. I had a lot of fun, a lot of fun time. Some not so fun, but I did the thing. Um, so it became clear like to just clean my body, my energy out. And so I took a year vow of celibacy. I met Christiana right before going on um, my ninth, 10th and 11th ayahuasca ceremonies. And she did a whole meditation on womb work. And all of a sudden my womb whew, came online. I mean, it had always been online, but all of a sudden I was like, Oh, okay. this is a big deal. <laughs> oh, hi, there thing. you are. <laughs> hi. Hello. Um, so when I met her, I was like, you're going to be my integration for these ceremonies coming up. And I didn't have like a specific intention that related to womb work or anything for these ceremonies. I just intuitively knew that she was going to be it. So another facet of my work, I'll just plug this in is I do psychedelic integration work because like, that's the only reason that the psychedelic work that I've done actually worked for me yeah. is because I committed to the integration. I never just went into a ceremony without having support on the other side to bring it in and change my life. Um, you're like my new best friend, but <laughs> you don't know this yet, but you're my love new best it. friend. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I went into those ceremonies and obviously my sexual trauma came up. Mm. Um, and it was like probably 10 years since the impact. And I was so blown away because I thought 
I thought it was over. Like I thought I healed it. I thought it was like long gone. And then out of nowhere, all of the, cause ayahuasca is so somatic. And so the body, all of the, the trapped energies in my body just started coming up to be revealed, to be cleaned out. And it was a very aggressive and violent and loud ceremony. It was very loud. Um, but I, I moved it out and I came into this massive space of awakening. So after that ceremony, there was quantum shifts that happened effortlessly. My diet changed effortless, effortlessly. Like I didn't put in a plan to change my diet. I was just drawn to eating completely clean, vegan, nothing was processed, like making all of my own things. Like, I mean, I would carry lunch boxes for like days trying, like making sure I was eating organic, clean, all the things, but my body knew that's what I needed. Um, my yoga practice became very disciplined, like very clear, like it became a daily practice. People that were not a match for my life just faded away. There were no fallouts. They just like vanished like very smoothly. So everything on the other side of those ceremonies, just like shifted. They were, they were my big ones. So I started paying attention to how powerful the womb is, how much sexual trauma impacts our ability to connect and thrive. Cause I didn't know how much in the dark I was. Yeah. I didn't know because it had oh, been my whole life. You don't right? know. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know until, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. So from there, from the womb work, um, I started to, um, I ended up breaking my vow of celibacy. Well, it was completed. I didn't break it. I just, it completed. And I had a sexual experience with this man. And it was very clear that he was the one to end my celibacy with. There was no like emotional attachment. It was just like, he was someone I trusted. He was someone very embodied. He, he had a lot of integrity. He was very clean energetically. He was an Ashtanga yogi, a Reiki practitioner. Like he was, his energy was good. Yeah. Yeah. It was perfect. Yeah. Um, so the first time we had sex, I had a complete psychedelic experience, like holographic visuals, like seeing beings in other dimensions. And like, this just happened. Like there was no force. There was no effort. It just happened. And I was like, why did I not know this was a thing? Why did I not know that sex and sexual energy is multidimensional? Why did I not know that I can access these altered states through sexual energy? And everything blew open from there. And that's pretty much when the path was revealed. I started working with um, hands-on work. So I started receiving like the Yoni work from one of my one of my teachers. And that that work was more powerful than the ayahuasca ceremonies. I had experiences that blew my body open and brought healing in that were more powerful than these plant medicines. So I started to transition from the plant medicines into working with sexual energy and awakening and embodying and clearing and healing through that. And then years later, it's like, no, this is your path to serve. Like you have, you have something that the world needs. Yeah. Oh, I feel so honored to have received that. And I just, mm. wow. I'm so glad I know you. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. The work that you do. And I wrote something down that I think every single person on this call or on this podcast listening two does and it's intellectualized mm. through their feelings and I mean I'm a coach I coach women um and a hundred percent the most resistance that I find is when I try to get them to locate the sensation in their body where did where do you feel that like there's such a like I'm like let's get up and dance let's like shake let's and it, there's such resistance because we're so in our heads um, and I just love that you presence that 
because I think a lot of us do that. And we think like, okay, like, yeah, I figured it out logically. I know why this makes sense. Like those guys, they were hurt. They hurt me like, okay, I can move on, but no, it still lives in the body. And so amazing. Oh, amazing. Um, okay. We have like 10 minutes. So Mm -hmm. I wrote some things down that I have a couple questions about. I mean, I feel like we're going to have a part two. It's just going to happen. I mean, we have to, yeah, (laughs) I really actually want to talk about where do I want to go? Okay. Um, (laughs) you mentioned earlier, um, the feminine movement has been hijacked. Ah, we don't have time. We only have 10 minutes. minutes. Okay. (laughs) So you know what, actually, I would like to talk about, you mentioned Tantra. Um, and it's, it's interesting. I, I told you I was listening to that book, the Sophia code, and I'm really more than ever starting to understand that our bodies are the tools to like, you know, experience. And I just, it's like, I'm 41 and I'm just kind of bummed. Like, I wish I was 20 and I knew this, but I'm 40 and I know it. So at least I'm not 80, you know, but tell me about, cause when I hear Tantra, I'm like, okay, like I need to have this like crazy, powerful sex with my husband in order to da da da. And you just sort of basically was like, no, can you talk to me about Tantra and sacred sexuality? And maybe mm-hmm. give my audience like one or two things that they can start to kind of experiment with in their life. Yeah. Yeah. So when we hear Tantra, what we're actually thinking of like here in the States is and Western culture altogether is like Neo Tantra, like this new age version of like a very ancient concept. It's just been, it's been hijacked in the sense that it's been oversimplified. It's been hedonized. Like there's a lot of distortion. So when we even hear the word Tantra, we're not going back to the fact that this is a branch of yoga, which is about duality. It's about embodiment. It's about being here in this physical world that is equal parts shadow light. So when we hear Tantra, we think Kama Sutra. We think like these, we just think something that's not accurate. So I want to say that this is what I want to tell your audience. What you think about Tantra is probably way off the mark from what traditional real authentic tantra is so i don't i don't you know i i'm a yogi in the sense that um i've studied yoga i've studied classical yoga and it's definitely a big part of like how i've got here but i always say that i work in the realms of sacred sexuality so i don't even try to put it under any of those constructs it's like even these teachings that i have through this magdalene lineage they come from egypt they come from india they come from like um, South America, like the Mayan abdominal massage is still very much like a part of this work too. So the sacred sexuality piece is just understanding that like the soma, the body is also interconnected to the cosmic, like the microcosm, the macrocosm is all interconnected. So having more consciousness around sexuality, knowing that everything is this dance of creation because sex is creation. So what are you creating? And to create, we need the light, the seed and the dark, the womb. So we have to be comfortable being in the dark. We have to, and you know, you were saying earlier, it's like it's a natural human experience to be afraid of the unknown. And that's why it's been so easy to demonize the feminine because the feminine is the mystery. It's the unknown. It's the unconscious. So it's very easy for an establishment like the church to have people dissociate from the feminine because nobody wants to settle into the unknown. It's very, very uncomfortable. You just said something that just unlocked something inside of me. Mm. I don't even know what you just said, but it, you just (laughs) said the 
the feminine is the darkness. And that's why we've been told the feminine is bad is because it's, we don't know. It, it's, right. Wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's why sometimes a lot of people don't ever, don't want to like go in and feel their feelings is because totally. they don't know what's there. It's totally. Wow. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. I don't know why, but this whole conversation has made me want to cry. <laughs> mm. um, like the de-armoring of the heart, the de-armoring of the oh emotion. You know, lately yeah. I, I would say for the past six months, my meditations, I, before six months ago, my meditations were all in here. And mm. about six months ago, I started to drop into my heart mm. and I, and it's mm. fine. I'm not like upset with myself, but I really noticed there's, I have very hard edges around mm-hmm. my heart I can feel it I can feel yep. and it's like you know like even if I'm led it's like bring in more love bring in more light and I'm like ah, ah, like I can feel right. it I'm like I can't um but that'll come right mm-hmm. yeah I mean the the journey of de-armoring the heart has been one of the biggest journeys of my life like I'm I'm very much on that journey it's like the past year and a half I I say my work has been focused on thawing the heart thawing the heart and like melting the ice, bringing down the armor, allowing myself to love big, allowing myself to dream big, allowing myself to desire big. Um, Cause we harden, we're either expanding and softening or we're hardening and contracting. We're moving in a direction. So what direction are we going to move in? Wow. All right. Last question. Um, yeah. What are some of your favorite practices right now for yourself? What are some <sighs> things that you're like really into? What are you vibing on? What are you curious about? Mm-hmm. What are you learning? Mm-hmm. I love practices. <laughs> I love practices. And as someone who has been dominantly masculine and healthy masculine, like pretty balanced in my masculine, um, I've always been good at discipline and I've been very good at committing myself to doing the thing and the devotional piece, the feminine piece is having the heart behind the thing. So one of my favorite practices is noticing if my practices are in devotion, like is what I'm doing is my heart behind the discipline that I'm cultivating, or am I pressurizing my body to be doing something that's not in alignment? Um, like I just let go of journaling. I haven't journaled in months and it feels so good. It feels so good. <laughs> what you just said, oh my God, I love what you just said. Um, Can I just, just like add to that? What I just heard you say is something that I often talk to my clients is like, listen, it's great to have a morning routine, but are you just going through the motions? Cause like, and I can tell you, I've been journaling every day for probably six years now. And just, I think it was the summer. I just let it go. Cause it was feeling like, Oh, I have to journal. What do I need? Right. What do I journal? And, and like when I was journaling, it felt so good and it felt so so I love that. It's really giving yourself permission because discipline is great, but yeah. like anything, it could be too much. And then mm-hmm. now you're in your unhealthy masculine. So I really love that. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing is like your favorite thing to do now is just really ask yourself, is there devotion behind this discipline? Yeah. Yeah. Is the heart there? Is it serving me? Is it working? You know, like to be very practical, I have to make sure I'm doing something in my body. I have to make sure I'm activating my body, strengthening, flexing, flowing with my, with my body. Like those are things that I have to make sure I'm doing and having the balance of, um, being cerebral and intellectual and philosophical and all the things that I love to be. Mm. Oh my God. I love you. Like mm. my heart just has grown a so hundred yeah. times during this conversation. Let mm. everyone know where they can follow you, find you. Yeah. 
Yeah, everything simple. Nikki Ananda, N-I-K-K-I-A-N-A-N-D-A dot com on Instagram, on Facebook, all, all of the things. So it's very, very simple. Just my name and you can find me. Awesome. And then this podcast is probably going to come out tomorrow. So Ooh. yeah, I know. I'm quick. Girl, I I'm love quick. it. I'm quick. Oh my God. I have so many things I could plug then. Can yes, I? Please. Yes. I was going to say, <laughs> okay. plug away. Oh my God. Okay. So there's two, two, two really, really, really big things that are coming up like now. So the fact that this is coming out tomorrow is so exciting. So feel my excitement and get on this wave. Um, I have a three month program called the Magdalene embodiment activation. And this was a program I did about two years ago when I called it the sacred feminine embodiment activation. The difference is with this program, the energy behind what I'm bringing in is so devotional and loving through the embodiment where before it was very practically embodied. So they both serve, but my work is getting deeper. So my programs are getting deeper and the work is just exponential, exponential. So this is a 12 week journey. We go through the first section is the feminine mysteries, the Venusian Rose attunement. Then we go into body temple reclamation, and then we go into sacred sexuality and divine embodiment. Mm -hmm. So this is like everything we've been talking about, like that, that's the program that's coming out. So it starts on the 22nd, November 22nd. So like soon, yep. um, is <laughs> like soon, soon, soon. <laughs> Um, but I'll always run this program. Like this is my heart's work. So I'll, I'll run it once a year. I believe that's the idea. That's the seed planted, but I'm not attached. So the other thing that is like mind blowing, ridiculously exciting, and it's not mine, but I'm participating is this amazing sacred codes tour to Egypt that's Ooh. happening. Yes. 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 Oh my God. I, it's like, I can't even, the story behind go on my page and read my post to how this even manifested because it's just like, so divine. So beautiful. It's it's so like, ah, biggest, biggest manifestation of my life. Mm. Um, so this tour is unique because we're going to be, I'm, I'm getting to bring sound healing and ceremonies into these temples. And these are the temples of my lineage. Like it's mind blowing. And as we know, Egypt is a Muslim country. So you're not even allowed to bring instruments in. you're not allowed to have your eyes closed in these temples. You're not allowed to sit down. Um, they will get you up. They will stop you. So we have five private visits. A lot of tours only have like two. We have five fully private. The Hathor Temple, we have the full day on the full moon that we're going to be in there doing tuning work, guided meditations, journeying, activating. And, and Egypt is divine masculine. It's Atlantic. Atlantis, Hawaii is divine feminine. It's Lemuria. So we're bringing in all those Egypt codes and I'm bringing the embodiment piece so people can actually receive them and walk with them. So that's called sacred, uh, sacred codes. That's the Egypt tour, February 15th to 25th. And the registration for that needs to be in by, and the deposit of 1300 needs to be in by December 1st. So these are two things happening like now, <laughs> like now. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm going to have you back for a part two because I really yes. want to dig into the feminine movement because yes. I'm I'm with you on that. I, I think yeah. it's hijacked. Um and but just like anything, the pendulum swings from one end, it comes back, and then we find ourselves all serves. in that exactly. nice little middle. All right, Nikki, I love you. Um, I will see you later. And everybody follow her and get your buns into her programs or in a vocal. <laughs> you do body mm -hmm. yeah totally and my coaching containers are online so if you want to drink this up like there's plenty of ways to work together hell yeah <laughs> all right i love you i Thank love you so much <laughs> oh, wasn't that such a special conversation 
So as Nikki said, she is NikkiAnanda.com, N-I-K-K-I-A-N-A-N-D-A.com. She is found in those places on Facebook and Instagram. She has a a new program um, for embodiment starting. It's You don't have to be local to her. Everything's done online um, next week. And then she is going to also be traveling to Egypt and you're invited. Um, so all of that information can be found on her website. Guys, I really wanted to thank you for listening to this podcast with an open mind, with an open heart. And I am so curious to know if this woken something up inside of you like it did me. I'm so curious to know how you felt as you were listening to what she was saying. If something felt um, true for you, if it felt like a remembering, um, were you um, in resistance to it? So please snap a picture of yourself listening to this, share it on your social, tag me, tag Nikki, and let us know what your biggest takeaways are. And I also want to just plug a couple of the offerings that I currently have for you. So I do have a few things going on, which is really fun. I'll start with my free offer. I am starting a December dance challenge, and this is going to be dancing every day in the month of December. That's it. That's the challenge. Just one song um, showing up in our Facebook group, holding yourself accountable, letting us know how you feel, how you felt, what you're learning as you commit and show up in this devotion and discipline to dancing. Uh, Next, on November 30th, I am teaching a masterclass on human design about getting out of your own way. And this is really mastering the ener- mastering the magnetic of your energetics to um, to get out of your own way and to really step into your power. So you're going to be learning about your human design, a uh, few components to your human design that could really create more flow in your life if you start to experiment with it. And then you're also going to leave with very tangible steps in how to do those experiments in your life. The beginning part of this masterclass will be an embodied experience. You you just heard all about what embodiment is. It's really being in the body. And so I'm going to be taking you through a meditation and movement um, to get you into your body and to really get you connected and feeling the energy centers that human design um, has. So that is just $33. Um, the replay is available, you know, that day. So if you can't make it live, you can absolutely catch the replay. So if you're someone who's really curious, interested, um, vibing with human design, and you also feel like there's parts of your life that are stuck, you, you might be in your own way. This is a masterclass about merging those two things together. I also have on sale emotional alchemy. Emotional alchemy is an experience and a journey where you're going to actually take two parts of it. So emotional alchemy is learning how to take your emotions, the feelings that we have, the hard things that we go through, and instead of pushing them down or pushing through it or pretending it's not there, you're actually learning how to alchemize those those emotions, how to transform them, how to transmute them so that they're no longer in your way and they actually become the magical fuel that propels you forward. A lot of emotional alchemy is kind of what Nikki and I were talking about. It's, it's, 
you know, not just intellectualizing your feelings, but actually moving them through. So emotional alchemy is broken up into two parts. You can purchase emotional alchemy now until the end of the year. The moment that you purchase, you will be receiving access to six pre-recorded modules and getting the integrative workbooks along with them. These modules are going to be the learning piece, um, or as Nikki would say, the masculine piece. This is the learning, the uncovering, the discovering, the really understanding why we are in this place, You know why you have the patterns that you have. Then in January and February, we are going to meet four times to have live embodied experiences. And this is the feminine. This is the mystery. This is the going into the darkness, into the shadows, and actually learning how to alchemize in the moment. This is really for anyone who's feeling stuck, who feels like they're in their own way, who has been really feeling called to um, learn how to work with their emotions, how to heal, you know, inner child work, reparenting, all of that. This is what this course is about. The investment is just $555 and I have a payment plan for $144 for four months. So that is also available on the link in my bio on Instagram. And I will also put it here in the show notes. And then last but not least, my absolute favorite event that I host every year is my intention setting workshop. This is going to be a two-hour experience. Um, Let me tell you the background just a little bit because I think this is important. So this is the fifth year in a row that I'm hosting this. This is probably the seventh or eighth year that I've been doing this. So prior to doing this practice, like you, I would just celebrate New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. It's a new year and just kind of hope that the new year would be better hope that, you know, things will change. I would hope that, you know, things are aligning for me, but you know, as, as Rachel Hollis says, hope is not a strategy. So what I started to do was on, you know, sometime in December, I would sit down and really this practice started as just journaling. I would sit down, I would journal about, you know, what did I learn from this year? What do I want to create next year? And then I started to kind of incorporate a lot more practices. I started to deepen. um, I started to, yeah, bring in more ritual. And just like Nikki and I were talking about, the body is such a tool that we are not using. And so the first part of this experience is going to be breathwork, meditation, movement, and all of that is so that we can drop into the body, drop into our hearts. And from that place, we're going to look at the year that just passed. We're going to extrapolate all of the gifts. And then from that place, we're going to look to 2023 and we're going to create and cast our highest vision. I'm going to be walking you through all of this, giving you journaling prompts, giving you space and time to to do all of this. And then at the very end, I'm going to teach you a few of my favorite rituals and ceremonies for um, kind of locking this in on New Year's Eve. So that is a really, really special, special um, event that I host every year. I hope you can make it. This investment is only $33. The link is in my bio. It's also in the show notes. Um, and that is happening on December 14th. And then, of course, I, I I purposely did it early on in the month so that if you can't make it live, 
you'll have the replay and then you can find two hours for yourself when the kids are gone and you know, you've got some space and time and to create this beautiful practice for yourself. <sighs> There's actually more coming, but I will save that for next time. But for now, get your buns in there, give yourself a gift this year. Um, and yeah, have an amazing, amazing Thanksgiving and I will see you guys next week.